swamp drawer where all good produce goes to die. Dun, dun, dun. We couldn't afford it even when there weren't food shortages. We certainly can't afford it now. Recession-proof your grocery budget. Learn to grow the food your family eats without the weeds or the waste. For more information about my simple and easy container gardening course, where you will learn to save money by growing your own healthy organic fruits and vegetables, go to joyfulprepcontainergarden.com. Have you ever found yourself feeling out of control and overwhelmed with all the chaos in the world? As mothers, we're dealing with some pretty heavy stuff. Joyfully Prepared guides and reassures mothers that they can create a home of love, unity, and laughter, as well as produce an atmosphere of resourcefulness and resilience. I know a lot about a few things and a little about a lot of things. I'm your host, Wendy Birkin, and this is the Joyfully Prepared Podcast. Welcome to the Joyfully Prepared Podcast. I'm Wendy Bergen, your host, and today I have a special guest, Sam Igo from Central Florida Abundance, and he's going to share with us all sorts of great knowledge about how you can grow your own food, even if you just have a teeny tiny backyard or just a window. <laughs> so welcome, Sam. I'm so glad to have you here. Hi, Wendy. It's great to be here. Thank you. So will you share with the listeners a little bit about how you got interested in um, sustainable gardening? Is that is that how you talk, the term you would use, or just talk about how you got started, whether from a child or as an adult? I'd love to hear that. Yeah, I mean, it really started um, in my early 20s. I was just really interested in, in eating healthy and I started looking deep into the food system and seeing that there's really not a lot of good ways to buy like affordable, you know, healthy food. It's all got a lot of additives and preservatives. Um, mm -hmm. And so to me, growing your own food became like just the most straightforward solution. Um, and so I just dived in deep into, you know, easy ways for people to produce some of their own food because I, you know, was like everybody else. I worked a full-time job and I didn't, ha couldn't just devote my whole life to growing food. Mm -hmm. I kind of do now, yeah. uh, but that's just because I'm a little fortunate. Um, so I was looking for, you know, ways that anybody could just grow some of what they were eating. Um, any, any bit of that homegrown, like, uh, highly nutritious foods, um, lots of greens, like even if not everything you're eating is of the best quality, having those things in your diet just do wonders for you. Mm -hmm. Did you, did you go to school? Did you study this in school at all or just picked it up as you went along? No, it was mostly, you know, just at home research. I read a lot of books. Um, oh, okay. and you know, I would, look around the internet just for different people's accounts. And then, I mean, at the time I had uh, a, quite a large yard and so I had a lot of room to experiment. And so mm -hmm. I would take the things that I was reading and, and hearing about on the internet and just, I went outside and tried it. You know, I would buy seeds 
I, I killed a lot of plants. Mm. <laughs> um, and you know, that's really the best way to learn. And so, you know, through that, I've learned, you know, what works and what doesn't. And then now I've been able to do it professionally yeah. with, uh, you know, higher budget clients. And I'm able to see these, you know, different projects come to fruition. And I'm also able to meet people who've, you know, been in this industry for a while. You know, they've mm-hmm. been, you know, either farmers or, you know, uh, permaculture designers are a big thing that's going on now. And they just have a, a wealth of knowledge on, you know, sustainable farming practices that can be done, you know, at any scale. Mm-hmm. That's, that's cool that you are self-educated in this. I think that's fantastic. So um, you've said a couple things that I wanted um, you to expand on. Um, you talked about you wanted to eat healthy, healthily. I think that's how grammar. <laughs> uh, what? So when, in your opinion, what are some of the highly nutritious foods that it are would be easy, you know, without all the without a lot of death and killing? But what are some of the um, foods that highly nutritious foods that people can grow at the in their own backyards? So when you're thinking about nutrients. Um, most of that is going to come from your greens. It's coming okay. from, you know, the plant parts. Mm-hmm. Um, so dark leafy greens like kale and chard, um, are really good things. You know, lots of types of lettuces that aren't your typical iceberg, iceberg. lettuce mm-hmm. do have, you know, more nutrients in them. Um, loose leaf lettuces are really a great first step for just a, a really fast crop that you can grow anywhere, you know, just mm-hmm. a small pot, you know, you know, two gallons to five gallons, you can grow, you know, multiple salads worth of lettuce out of a $2 pack of seeds, which, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. And lettuce at the grocery store these days is pretty expensive and mm-hmm. it's not fresh. You know, it's been picked uh, weeks or months ago and, for a fraction of the cost, you could have fresh picked salad, you know, multiple times a week. You know, that's one of the things that um, people have told me is the lettuce because it goes bad so quickly once you get it home and there's, you know, try to keep that lettuce fresh in the refrigerator. Thankful. I mean, we're thankful for refrigeration, but being able to grow your own lettuce and harvest exactly what you need, that's just one one way that we can save money on our grocery budgets and eat more nutritionally dense food, correct? Absolutely. I mean, when, once you start producing your own food, once you overcome that initial like infrastructure cost of getting the pots mm-hmm. and the soil and the things you need, it becomes much cheaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, one of the things I want to talk to you about is growing your own herbs. Mm. Like it seems to be, you know, to buy fresh dill or fresh thyme at the grocery store, you're paying two to three dollars for a couple sprigs mm-hmm. where, you know, you could pay five dollars and buy a living rosemary plant, uh, mm-hmm. a living basil plant. And then you're going to have that herb in some cases forever, mm-hmm. you know, rosemary and thyme, 
um, sage. They just are perennial plants that will continuously regrow after, as you cut them back, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, you know, it's a time investment. It's not as easy as just going to the store and buying the sprigs. But once you have it established, it's easier because you don't have to go to the store. It's right. in your kitchen or it's, you know, right next to your front door. Um, and that's the kind of thing that I try to show people mm. because it's something that you don't realize at first. You you see the work of gardening and you're like, well, I don't want to put that effort in. But how much effort and money are you spending going to the grocery store every week and, you know, buying that stuff that someone else already uh, put that labor in for you? You know, that makes that it, it, you're absolutely right, because when you think about it, I mean, we go to the grocery store, but you you need that occasional basil for it uh, and the more we cook at home the healthier the food becomes too and the more you save but if you have a basil plant you can make you know such delicious sauces with it you know the spaghetti sauces and stuff but just the cost of driving to the grocery store nowadays even if you live five minutes away that's still going to burn up gas where if you can just walk outside to your front porch or even to a pot that you have on your balcony and and pick the basil the rosemary whatever it is that you need in a recipe or just literally i keep an herb garden and i just love to run my hands over it because in order to smell an herb as you know you rub your hand you you pinch it or not pinch it but like caress it almost with your hands and then you smell your hands and sometimes I'll just go up to rosemary and just love on it and just smell it because these herbs have such amazing oils and smells that that um that soothe the mind and the body and the spirit so having herbs to eat is one thing but having them there to to just to just be is also a wonderful thing Absolutely. I mean, the, what you're talking about, the fragrance and, Mm -hmm. you know, what we're getting off the herbs is from the oil that's in the leaves of the Mm -hmm. plant. Right. And, you know, it does have a lot of beneficial aromatic properties and, you know, fresh herbs have a lot of, um, benefits to your health. Like those oils, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they open up your, your arteries, they help your circulation, you know, they, help your digestion. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are things that you're not really getting from the store-bought herbs because right. they're not, they, it's been at least a week since they were harvested. And mm-hmm. at that point, all of those, you know, the compounds that are fresh in the oils have mostly gone. You, right. know, you can tell the difference just in the smell. You know, if it doesn't smell as strong, you know, there's a lot less oil in there. Right. That's true. Um, People sometimes get a little, I don't want to say people, but there are a lot of people are hesitant to, I think herbs are one of the the easiest, I agree with you, herbs and lettuce are probably the easiest foods to grow and they are just packed full of such benefits. How, what can you say to a beginning gardener on what would you start with? How, how does that look for them if they don't have a big backyard? Let's just think of an apartment, um, somebody who lives in an apartment for, because you can grow food year long, regardless of where you live. What, what would be your advice to them? So if you're just looking to grow something, and I'm going to start with just a small space, Mm -hmm. because 
really, even if you have a large property, it's always best to start small. Good to because know. Because it's always easier to expand than to, you know, get rid of stuff later. So for a garden bag, I would recommend a, a woven fabric grow bag. Um, that's something that is easily movable, um, but it allows, it keeps the roots from becoming root bound when you're planning on having plants in that pot for, you know, at, at least a couple months, even mm -hmm. if they're annuals. Mm -hmm. um, so you're looking for a, a, like a, a woven fabric, maybe five gallon bag if you want to do lettuce. Um, and you, it's as simple as just really filling it with a, a potting soil mix. Mm -hmm. um, you can get as complex as you want with, you know, adding different things in, you know, perlite, mm -hmm. um, which is like a, a rock almost that mm -hmm. improves, you know, soil drainage. Um, you can add amendments, but you can start as simple as you want. Mm -hmm. um, you know, most things are going to uh, grow as long as you can get them to germinate. And to help with that germination, I would just recommend, you know, a bit of finished compost. Okay. Uh, you can go to, I mean, you can go to a, like a box store, a big box store and get a bag of mushroom compost. Mm -hmm. Or what I would really recommend is looking into your community um, because most communities have uh, community compost centers mm -hmm. that, you know, may even offer that free to the community members and just having a one to two inch layer of that compost on mm -hmm. top of your garden soil in your bag and then put your seeds in that for mm -hmm. lettuce. Uh, it's you're mostly just sprinkling them on top of the soil. Uh, that's because lettuce seeds are very small. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to planting seeds, you generally um, observe the size of the seed and you put them into the soil, you know, like half of the diameter of the seed. Mm, okay. Um, so for larger seeds, you'd want to put them deeper into the soil, but for really small things like lettuce or, you know, tomatoes and peppers, they're mostly just on the surface mm -hmm. and then maybe, you know, a bit of soil just sprinkled on top. Um What's even better than soil on top is a light mulch. Okay. Um, good things for small gardens. Uh, straw is usually something pretty obtainable from, you know, feed stores or even just uh, tractor supply. Right. Um, but a good at-home solution for people who may have some trees is leaf litter. Just mm. some, you know crushed up leaves that people are breaking up out of their yards all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, just put some of that on top and that's going to help retain moisture. You know, okay. it's going to keep the water from evaporating. Mm -hmm. So you've got your pot, you've got your garden soil, you've put a, a layer of compost on top, you put your seeds in and you've watered that all, you know, and, it, and then you just let your compost or your mulch on top of it mm -hmm. and keep it, watered you know right depending on the site you know it is going to determine how often you want to water it right um you're going to observe it and 
see how it dries out. Um, if it's, you, you want to keep it moist, but not overly wet, right. not, not dry. Um, one thing to know, you know, with starting gardening is that it's very observational based, you know, hmm. you can get all the tips you want on, you know, what other people say that works best for them, but every space is unique. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, you know, you, you can base a watering schedule based on your general climate, but it's never going to be as accurate, mm-hmm. uh, you know, than something that you observed in your own property. So it's right. depending on what kind of bags you have, how large they are, you know, the type of soil mix you have, they're all going to dry out differently. Um, and so when it comes to watering, just pay attention to it. Right. And most plants survive, you know, under various levels of stress. And so we're just working to find the best way to give them the least amount of stress mm. so that they'll grow to a point where, you know, we can take some of the excess nutrients that they've created for us. Mm, interesting. It's an interesting way of thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can people, how, what do I want to say? So we have this grow bag with lettuce though. Um, they don't really have very deep roots. Is that right? Or am I wrong on that? Well, they don't necessarily have like a deep tap root, mm-hmm. but their roots do, you know, they'll go down several inches, okay. maybe, you know, six inches at the most. Okay. Um, and so what I like to do is I never really grow one thing in a bag. Oh. Uh, if you have, you know, I mean, and for easy gardening, you want a diverse, um, you know, group of plants that you're growing. Because if you're only growing lettuce, uh, it's easy for a, you know, a disease to come in that affects mm. your lettuce. And then it'll wipe out all your lettuce. Gotcha. Um, pests can come in that's going to eat those kinds of leaves. Um, and it's really easy for it to spread because there's just that's all the food you can go from one to another. And so, you know, there's a lot of different companions. If you're, you know, concerned with trying to grow too many different types of food at one time, mm-hmm. I would recommend, you know, mixing in some herbs with, you know, herbs and leafy greens are mm-hmm. good to have together because the herbs, the aromatic properties are also going to, um, ward off some pests right. um, and lots of mints and dill are very mm-hmm. good to plant around your, you know, your lettuce, lettuce and kale and spinach because okay. uh, they're going to um, make the pests stay away from that area. Uh, a lot of things that are going to eat the leaves of those plants. Right. Um, and then there's lots of flowers as well. Marigolds okay. are, a really popular thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's good to have a, a diverse kind of grouping in your plantings. And that also helps you maximize your space. You know, right. you can grow things like lettuce is going to be 
And the lettuce we're talking about here is a loose leaf lettuce, not like right. a head lettuce. Right. Um, you can grow head lettuce in a bag, but when you're talking, it, it's certainly not as simple. You know, you're not going to get a fast crop off of that. Right. Um, so I would recommend for a beginner to stay with like a, just a, a butter crunch mm-hmm. or a, a Simpson elite. Those are good varieties of easy loose leaf lettuces. Okay. Um, and then mix in with that something that grows a little bit taller because those are all going to stay pretty low to the soil. Okay. Um, so you get maybe a, you know, a woodier herb or if you're, you know, more experienced, you can even grow tomatoes above that. Oh, okay. So you talk about diverse diversity in planting or diverse planting and you, you shared with, you just gave examples, obviously with the, the either herbs with your lettuce, a tomato thrown in there, starting, starting small with one, one thing, you know, what we just talked about. Can these, so we give a five gallon grow bag or a pot. It, it's not huge, but it's, it's kind of big. Can though, can that type of thing be brought in the house? Can you grow it just in front of a window? How, how could somebody who lives in Michigan, for instance, grow year long? So if you're growing indoors, uh, if you have a, your main concerns are sunlight, obviously, and then also temperature and air circulation. So when you're talking about, you know, things like lettuces and simpler herbs with, um, you can get away with just having a, a, a good south face window if you're in the northern hemisphere, uh, because you want, you know, that's where you're going to get your maximum sun exposure. You need to make sure you're getting at least six hours of sun a day. I would say, you know, closer to eight to 10 if you're indoors through mm-hmm. a window mm-hmm. because that light is being filtered. Mm, right. Um, now, most people who grow indoors are not using sunlight. They're using artificial light. Right. And there are lots of options when it comes to, you know, um, artificial lighting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would really recommend just seeing what's available to you in your area. And, okay. and it's really just high intensity bulbs. Um, there's a very, and they vary in price. Um, and you can kind of determine their quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's really the best way to go about producing food. If you want to grow lettuce, if you want to grow any of the darker greens, right. um, you can produce, you know, even like the brassicas, like broccoli and um, cauliflower indoors if you have artificial lighting. Wow. Um, with With those kinds of things, I would also recommend having, you know, fans, you okay. know, some artificial air circulation. How's that's that going to Okay, sorry. So you get you get the air circulating, and then that's going to keep um, like things from settling on the leaves. You get you mm. think about a house plant that is covered in dust. Yeah, you know, it's got just it's lots of 
it's a very heavy microbial population. And so that leads to things like bacterial infections mm. and fungal issues because those things are just able to sit on the leaves. Makes um, sense. There are, uh, another thing that is, you know, good for uh, indoor growing of, you know, edible plants is occasionally um, dousing the leaves with, you know, some distilled water uh, to kind of mimic, you know, what they would get drenched with the rain. Mm. Um, and this is really important if you're using like uh, just uh, either wicking beds or soaker hoses where they're mm -hmm. just getting watered at a soil level. Mm -hmm. And then those leaves just stay dry mm -hmm. um, because it's with, you know, it's just, they're used to getting that occasional relief of mm. their leaf uh, microbiomes. Interesting. And so you work to kind of mimic outdoors as much as you can when you grow inside. But it's with the technology we have today, it's become pretty simple. Yeah. Um, if you have a budget for mm -hmm. your, you know, that you're willing to invest in your indoor growing, I would recommend looking at grow towers. Okay. Um, these are very compact vertical growing systems. Mm -hmm. uh, they usually range, I mean, you can, they usually range between 200 to $1,000, depending on, you know, what accessories you have. Uh, you can get them with lights, you know, around the towers. So mm -hmm. It's going to provide its own light. But they can right. also be good for growing on a patio if you, okay. you know, just have that space and then you can use the light of the sun. Um, but another benefit is that the irrigation and the fertilization is all very streamlined. Mm. Um, you're, um, it's a vertical tower with stacking alternating pots, mm -hmm. uh, if you can visualize it. Mm -hmm. And so you end up with a lot of growing space and a very small footprint, and you can grow many different types of things. You know, you can grow your lettuces. But you can also grow things like strawberries or peppers, um, mm -hmm. and because you have so much, you know, vertical space there, mm -hmm. um, and with a system like that, anytime you're you have a tall system, mm -hmm. you can kind of count on the top of that system being drier than the bottom because all the oh, water is going to run down. Right. That also gives you the ability to grow plants that. You know, you're going to have plants that prefer drier conditions. Right. So you're able to grow your sages and mm -hmm. your rosemaries at the top. Mm -hmm. But then at the bottom where it's wetter, you're growing dill and mm -hmm. parsley and your, you know, things that prefer a wetter climate. Interesting. Mm -hmm. That's really fascinating. I, I, I didn't know that. That's really cool. So just to kind of recap, I like took a huge page full of notes talking to you. And I mean, I don't consider myself a professional or an expert like you, but I've, you know, I've been growing things for a while. And, um, my mom is, my mom had this amazing, she still does. She's 70 some odd years old and she has a huge garden. Um, which I was never happy about in the summertime when they would wake me up early to go help. But, um, <laughs> So just to kind of recap some of the things that I think are huge to know about gardening. Number one, you have to experiment, right? Absolutely. You have to get out there. You got to throw something, 
something out there and try it and figure it out. I, I did a podcast a couple, and I told you too, Sam, about this. You know this a few weeks ago about my Moringa tree and how I thought it died and it came back and that it died again and it came back. But I learned from each of those experiences what I needed to do to keep it alive. And so it's still alive. Um, thankfully. Uh, but I My also brought right observations. Yeah. Yes. You said uh, gardening is observational based, which I think right. is fantastic. Um, and then I also brought a dill plant. I bought a dill plant at a place, a store, wherever the farmer's market brought it in my house oh, I'll, I'll, out to the porch. And it just died. Like it didn't even make it a day. It was like, yeah, I don't want to live here. I'm like, okay, <laughs> it's done. I couldn't do anything to keep it. It was just dead. So it may have been on its way out or maybe it just didn't like where I was. I have not yet tried to grow another dill, but I know that dill needs more water. So that could have been the problem. <laughs> but, um, and you said you killed a lot of plants and it sounds such a, like a horrible thing, but in order to learn things, unfortunately, those, um, those experiences are necessary, but then you become better at it and things stay alive and produce and you get better and better at it. It's just like anything else gardening, right? Absolutely. And, you know, where we come in as kind of educators is mm -hmm. to help people jump over that step of, you know, killing their first thousand plants. Right. We'll, we'll save a couple tomatoes and a few heads of lettuce right? so that, so that they can go on to experiment with the more complicated things. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they will then decide, you know, maybe I want to try to grow a few ears of corn mm -hmm. or maybe I found some interesting melon on the internet that I just want to see buy the seeds and see if they can grow. Right. And, you know, giving people that confidence through, you know, helping them grow some basil successfully on the first try right? or, you know, growing, um, you know, that first harvest of lettuce. And mm -hmm. after that, you know, Killing plants isn't as bad after you've already had some success right. because you, you know that it's, you know, it's, they're living things mm -hmm. and sometimes you can do everything right and they mm -hmm. still not, yeah. not make it. Right. And that's, that's part, you know, we, we separate ourselves. I don't, we are scientists, human beings are scientists, especially when you're, you're gardening, you become the scientist, a biologist, um, a horticulturist, you become a scientist because you're, you're observing and you're experimenting and you're wanting to be successful and, and learn, like you said earlier too, that I could plant a five gallon, um, grow bag in my, in my backyard or in my porch and I'll have a completely different experience from someone who lives in Virginia or California or Germany, wherever, because of the climate and the conditions. And so we all become scientists in our own regard. Absolutely. I mean, that's why you can never find, everybody wants to find that information on the internet that'll tell them exactly how mm -hmm. to grow everything right in their yard but you'll never find that because nobody's ever grown what you want to grow right where you are right you know? yeah yeah um, that's a good point you know maybe you're real lucky and the person that lived there before you was a farmer and mm -hmm. took real detailed notes but unless you come across that then 
you've got to, you know, figure it out on your own. And there's yeah. lots of information out there that can help you get started right. and help you see what to look for. Um, but when it comes down to it, you know, you've got to put in, you got to put in that time. You do. Um, uh, the other, I, I wanted you to just take a minute. You talked about permaculture and I wanted you to take a minute to explain what permaculture is. Cause I have a hard time explaining that to people. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, I'll start with, I'm not certified in permaculture, but I do work with a lot of people who are, and I've tried to embody a lot of their practices. Mm-hmm. And so what permaculture is, it's, an idea of a permanent, you know, sustainable culture and agriculture. Mm-hmm. And it, it goes beyond food production. And, you know, it's more about ecosystem management and blending, you know, our lives, which currently I would describe as, you know, industrial. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about blending our society with, you know, a more sustainable agriculture and coexisting with the natural systems of the world. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, an example that um, comes up a lot in permaculture is water management. And, mm-hmm. you know, as I've learned more, I can see how <laughs> the water management that we've devised, uh, you know, in in Florida, which is where I'm, where I'm from, mm-hmm. and I've worked a lot here, our, our water management systems are pretty terrible. And that's mm. because they're not really, they didn't really take the natural flow of water into consideration. Mm. Um, you know, it's mostly about, do I want water here? Yes or no. As if, okay, I don't want water, so I'll just move it somewhere else. Mm. Um, where... You know, permaculture, if you would, if you were a permaculture designer looking at things, you'd be, okay, where's the best place that I can store this water so that, you know, it'll be beneficial to the ecosystem? Mm-hmm. You know, where is this water going to want to flow? Mm-hmm. And then I can direct it this way. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's not simply just letting nature do its own thing. It's about finding the natural rhythms mm-hmm. and then working along with them, learning how to, you know, optimize your processes to, you know, coexist with what's going to happen already. Um, and when it comes to farming. Mm-hmm. Mimicking how plants would grow in the wild. Just like I said, when you want to grow indoors, you want to kind of mimic those outdoor environments so when even when you're growing outdoors, you know, the plants that you're growing aren't almost are certainly not native to right. where you are. Mm-hmm. And so you got to think about where do these plants come from? Where do they want to be growing in? Right. And, you know, when it comes to, you know, larger scale agriculture, you're also thinking about what is my farm doing to the ecosystem, Mm. you know, am I, uh, like displacing a lot of the animals and, uh, uh, you know, native plants Mm -hmm. of my farm or am I 
working with the native ecosystem and then uh, helping it produce an abundance so that I'm able to, you know, share in that, right. along, you know, what was already there. And, you know, when you start thinking like that, you see that most of our farming practices mm-hmm. uh, are not really aligned with that. They're not really aligned with nature. They're right. just focused on how to produce as much as possible, as fast as possible, as cheap as possible. Right, right. Um, and that's not sustainable. Um, you know, right. we've seen that recently with, mm-hmm. you know, COVID food shortages when mm-hmm. everything's coming from a couple places. It's really, it's a very fragile system. Yeah. Um, so being able to produce some of your own food and not being as dependent on that, you know, industrialized food system that we've created. Right. Uh, it becomes a, a big power. You know, that, you know that, that makes, Oh my gosh. I love the way you said that because I was just sitting here thinking like, if I produced my own lettuce and I could keep it year round, which I think I could, I mean, I live in Florida, so I can grow year round, but even if I lived in New Jersey where I moved from, I could keep lettuce going year round and think about buying, I could, especially the loose leaf. Right. And Mm -hmm. I think about, I buy a head of romaine lettuce and maybe some, you know, the red leaf lettuce, that type of thing. And I'm spending uh, probably six or seven dollars just on those two. And I don't, I don't need as, I don't need a whole head, but I like the mix and match nutrition from the two different types. And then I'll buy this or I'll buy that to, you know, the cucumbers and different things like that. And so by the time I get it home, I've spent at least $15, at least that doesn't sound like a lot, but when you do it week after week after week, it becomes a lot of money just for a salad, just one salad. And half the time we don't eat the whole salad after I make it and it goes slimy. I call it the swamp drawer. It goes slimy in the drawer. Right. And I have to throw it away. I compost it, but still I'm not consuming it. And so there's, there's a certain amount that just gets wasted just because, and if we can, like you said, this power, the self-reliance really is freedom. If you can take, and just not spend $5 at the grocery store on on lettuce because you're growing your own or one basil plant or a rosemary, you know, you've saved yourself $10 at the grocery store. Right now, that's a lot of money. That's almost a gallon of gas. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Like you, you really are saving yourself tons of money. And mm-hmm. I just... You know, I don't want to ruin everybody's day, but one last point <laughs> yeah. is when you think about how that lettuce got to the grocery store, yeah. it was brought on a truck, you know, with emissions to a, to a warehouse. Then it was brought from that warehouse on another truck to your grocery store. Mm-hmm. It's been wrapped in plastic. Mm-hmm. You're throwing that plastic just away in the trash. True. Um, the amount of waste and, you know, pollution that comes from buying a head of lettuce at the Mm -hmm. grocery store Mm -hmm. and how much is saved from growing your own lettuce, Mm -hmm. you know, the cost of that alone, even if it was more expensive, I would say, you know, it's worth it. You, and, and on top of that, all the hands that touch that lettuce, right? 
Absolutely. Because that's kind of yeah. gross. <laughs> yeah. When, <laughs> when you wash your lettuce that you grew, you know, yeah. you're trying to wash some of the dirt off and maybe, maybe a bug or two because there's yeah. going to be bugs in your garden. Yeah. Uh, when you wash the lettuce from the grocery store, you're not washing dirt off. No. You know, you, you, <laughs> you, know, you don't really know. I mean, certainly you're washing a lot off, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) you are watching more than you think of. And that's why we have to wash it too, because of all the stuff that's the top, the, like you said, just the, the people that touch things, touch that organic, you know, it's not, (laughs) it's been rolling around on a pallet. It's been, you know, right. Yeah. We're, we're so separated from, from our food. It's not even so much that we don't know where food comes from, I think, I don't know if I told you this or if I've told a couple of people, but I was talking to a lady at the hairdresser a few weeks ago and she, we got, got to talking about gardening and she's growing a tomato plant. And, um, and I said something about good for you or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And she said, let me ask you a question. I said, okay. And she said, the little flowers that are on the plant. I said, yeah. She goes, is that where the tomatoes come from? And I, and she was in earnest and I wasn't, you know, yes, I'm glad she's asking and I'm glad she's trying, but people are really so removed from their food that they don't understand even how it grows. Absolutely. I think the, the biological processes of food production Mm -hmm. and it's not taught really in school. Mm -mm. Um, and, you know, just just the classification of like what the the classic argument of is a tomato a fruit or a vegetable? Right. And I would tell you, you know, it's both because mm-hmm. it is a fruit botanically. Right. Uh, it is the fruit of a plant, but it is also a vegetable because it is plant matter, you know. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and that goes for our chickens, our beef, all of these different things. And, and I'm not saying that people are stupid. They just are not educated and they don't understand because they've literally been removed from their food by so many different layers. And so I've heard adults say, well, the chicken just comes in the grocery store already wrapped. Like they really believe that that's how chicken comes. And so I think one of the, I think one of the greatest gifts a parent can give to their child is to help a child grow a plant, to teach them what are roots, what are the little leaves, what does the stem do, what, why does this happen, so that the child knows how to, not just how to grow something, but to watch this miracle happen. It goes from a seed into a fruit. It's a, it's a beautiful and wonderful thing. And if the parent can teach the child to take the seed and nurture the seed. And if the seed sprouts, we know the seed's good, but we don't have fruit yet, right? And we can continue to care for it, nurture it, and eventually it will turn into the fruit that's promised by the seed. Absolutely. I think it gives you know people a deeper respect for life. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. Um, of course I agree with you, Sam. I think what you teach is amazing. And I, I, I'm just for the listeners, Sam's been out to my place a couple of times. He's helping, 
um, my husband and I figure out how to put things on our, on our property. Um, and in, we, when he was talking about permaculture, I have, I want to start growing elderberries and I have about 20 in pots that have been ready to go since May. I can't quite get my act together, but Sam's the one who came in and taught me cause elderberries like wet. They like it wet. Um, and, um, he's the one who taught me how to find, where the water goes in my yard, in my property. And so that was just really, it was really cool. Like I was, to me, that was just really miraculous. Like, oh my gosh, that makes, but it made perfect sense at the same time. We just have to change the way we think and start really small. And anyway, so he's going to help me set up my, my property to be a little bit more self-reliant. And that's, that's, I'm, I'm really excited. So anyway, Sam, thank you. Um, I also want people to know where they can find you to be able to ask you questions, whether they're in Florida or other places. So where can people find you? So the best place to find me is on Facebook and mm -hmm. my Facebook page is my company name, mm -hmm. Central Florida Abundance. Okay. Um, you can also find me on Instagram um, at CF underscore abundance. Um, I do focus mostly on, you know, Florida plants mm -hmm. and, you know, localized. Yeah. Cause as I've said, you know, gardening everywhere is different. So right. I specialize with what I know, mm -hmm. but you know, I do welcome people from everywhere. I love mm -hmm. to talk to people from mm -hmm. all around the, all around the world um, right. and just hear different experiences and hear about what works for them and different things that they're growing. So I Wonderful. encourage people to reach out. Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, and for those listening to all the, the links that he has, uh, I will put those in the show notes so that you can find, find him and follow him. And if you need to ask him questions, he's just, he's just really amazing. Just, I mean, his brain is just so much, so full of knowledge. I, I just enjoy talking to him so much. So Sam, again, thank you so much for your time and, and for sharing your wisdom with me and with our listeners. Thank you for having me, Wendy. It's been great. Thank I'm you. I'm looking forward to uh, getting your yard. Yeah, more me productive. too. I can't wait. All right. Well, everybody, enjoy your day. Thank you so much for listening to Joyfully Prepared. I'm grateful for you and appreciate you inviting me into your life. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about this delightful podcast. Leaving a joyful review would earn you all sorts of karma points too. I invite you to join my free Facebook group at www.joyfulprepgroup.com and join with other like-minded mothers.